0: We've been exploring how retirement and the financial industry have changed in recent years. So what's next? We know that more change is on its way and that requires ongoing adjustments to the way you meet clients' needs. Our guest today has ideas about how financial professionals can be ready for the future. Welcome to Rebuilding Retirement, navigating a new reality with your clients, a podcast series from Allianz Life Insurance Company of North America. I'm Travis Walker. Joining us today is Suzanne Syracuse. Suzanne Syracuse is the former CEO and publisher of Investment News. In more than 20 years at Investment News, Suzanne oversaw a transformation in the news business and supported the evolution of the financial guidance profession. Suzanne now works advising on game-changing trends that affect the financial services industry. So today, we're going to talk with Suzanne about the ways financial guidance has changed, how financial professionals can grow their business right now, and her predictions for what the industry will look like in the future. I'm so excited to hear what's on Suzanne's mind. Suzanne, welcome to Rebuilding Retirement. Thanks for having me on, Travis. If you don't mind, I think I'm going to dive right on in and talk about uh, how you got into the business as an observer of financial services, and then working for publications covering the industry. And in that time, what are some of the biggest changes or trends that you feel have affected wealth management industry? advisors and how they work with clients
1: sure i love this question so um, my name may seem familiar to some of the advisors that are are listening Um, i've been in the business since 1998 and i got my start um in the financial advisory business um because i was working at investment news and um in that role i started out in sales and eventually became the publisher and ceo but really got to understand the business of financial advice got to understand all the motivations behind um, firms that are trying to sell to financial advisors how financial advisors sell to clients they conduct their business but also at investment news reported on the industry as a whole and uh, during the time that I started in again in 1998, which is a long time ago um, to, to when I left in 2019 and now um, as a consultant to the industry for the last four years, there are some significant changes that I think are interesting to kind of point out and for advisors to sit back and think about a little bit. Um, the number one thing, and, and actually investment news was born out of um, the sister publication, which was Pensions and Investments. And uh, the publisher at the time in 1998 saw that there was a huge growth in the, an interest in the wealth management industry. And so that's why um, he decided to start a newspaper specifically serving the wealth management community, and especially growth in that Independent financial advisors, so the independent model. So I think that was, that's been a significant change um, that's happened in the last 20 odd years is just so many more um, independent advisors forming, leaving wirehouses or leaving a captive model and either going to work at a broker dealer or actually becoming an RIA. And I think there's lots of reasons for that. Um, But I think that is one of the biggest trends that you're seeing right now, because quite frankly, the growth of advisors, number of advisors hasn't hasn't been significant, quite frankly. But in within the move into those channels, that independent broker dealer affiliated with an independent broker dealer and an REA has been a huge, huge, huge trend. Um, Another trend that I see is the entry of more. Uh, investment options. So again, when we first started in investment news, mostly stocks, bonds, and of course um, mutual funds. Um, and I remember going to the Investment Company Institute conference, which which was a huge mutual fund conference. You probably go to it now, Travis. And um, and there was just starting to be. ETFs starting to come into the equation. They had Roger. such much lower flows into that, into those products, but obviously became a huge part of the investment spectrum that advisors are using. Um, also, too, in, in terms of investment options, much more transparent retirement income products that have really been developed for RIAs and the independent advisor especially those that are operate on more of a fee-based um, structure in in the way that they're compensated so i think that that's been another huge trend is just this um, access to all of these additional investment options that advisors can recommend to their clients based on the advisor's model and based on the client's need um, Again, there's been a lot of alternative investments that are also been launched that were uh, traditionally for, would say, more institutional investors that are now readily accessible to uh, advisors to their clients. So I think that entry of more investment options is is another key one. Um, the change in services delivered, you know, really uh, justified by. Con- the client's demands, right? So there's been a real shift from using more of a transactional approach and a more investment focused approach to an advice centric focus um, with, with, you know, all kinds of advanced planning solutions out there with advisors being challenged by their clients to not just provide investment advice, but actually to provide um, a whole litany of different types of advice that can go from tax insurance, estate, sure. um, long-term care, uh, et cetera. So I think, you know, in, and I'll share my story too about how I work with my fi- financial advisor in a little bit, but the this, this real more holistic approach to advising clients and what they need um, is really, I would say, probably one of the biggest trends that I've seen over the last you know, 20 years. Um, and also too, the way that, and I, I kind of mentioned this uh, in, in my answer around uh, the growth of the independent model, but also the way that advisors are compensated. So again, when I first started back in 1998, very, very much, many of the financial advisors were utilizing more of a commission-based approach Okay. And we're seeing that shift to go to fee-based, right. um, fee-only. And now there are subscription models where you can, a client can basically sign on for a set monthly fee with an advisor. And then there's also fee-for-service. And again, these are designed more for, I would say, newer investors that maybe don't have that assets under management um, level. grow garner an advisor's attention, but you can say, hey, I'd like to save for my a, a home. And so your advisor would work directly on helping you meet that goal. So that's that fee for service. So I think sure. the change in how advisors are compensated. And then finally, um, and like probably the biggest thing is the change in investor demographics throughout our country. Um, the way that the um, the the way that that both from a client standpoint, but also from an employee standpoint. So, uh, the the way that the country, the United States, is going to look in sure. the year twenty fifty is very very different than yep. it looked twenty years ago.
0: Oh, uh, of course. I mean, I've <laughs> I've seen plenty of studies and numbers that support that, and then people trying to kind of transform their practice in order to uh, support that into the future. And with that advice centric focus, uh, well, coming into focus. So, um, wow, you covered a lot of ground there. And I imagine you would because you've been at it since. And I think you may have said this 1998.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a little scary, but uh, but I love it. Right. It's a great profession and with great people in it. Just for sure. Yeah, it just came back from the Invest in Others event in which uh, you, Allianz uh, has been a wonderful partner and sponsor, where they uh, honor and celebrate financial advisors who give back to their communities. And when you hear the stories of how these financial advisors are, uh, because of their work, because of the flexible job, because of you know the income levels. They're able to do some amazing things for those in need.
0: Yes, absolutely. You and I have talked in the past uh, about kind of meeting those those clients where they are. I know that you mentioned uh, investment news, and you didn't gloss over that. You went in depth, which is great because um, that is a huge thing. Obviously, I mean, you hear that name, and it you know reverberates throughout the industry. So, when you were leading investment news as CEO and publisher, the news business was going through a huge transformation, and it's overall business model, including moving from more print-centric to digital. Um, what did you learn in that experience that can help financial professionals as their industry is changing?
1: Well, i got a lot, a lot right? Yeah. So if you think about this, <laughs> I, um, uh, I would say, number one, know that your business, as it exists today, and this is sometimes hard to even believe, will be different. In the future and so really just like accepting that and knowing that that is a reality is is like part of the part of the i would say the first step i you won't know exactly what this means and like i could never have predicted quite frankly the digital revolution that happened in media and you know in the world um But the only thing that is for sure is that things are constantly changing. So be open and ready. And uh, like, I'll give you an example of how our revenue model changed. Right. So when I started again, 1998, I keep saying that, that uh, date, 100% of our revenues, not this is by the way, this is not a smart business decision. 100% of our revenues were print advertising or print subscriptions or print reprints. They were all print centric, 100%. Right. We didn't have a website when I first started. So um, when I left in 2019, which was four years ago, the majority of our revenue was coming from digital, was coming from digital advertising, email sends, webinars, custom content that lived on the website, video and digital subscriptions followed by then events. So we went from one event in 2006 to 15 in 2019.
0: Okay, that's Benchmarking
1: growth. and custom research offerings, which um, we had acquired the Moss Adams benchmarking study. That was a, a way that I was diversifying our revenue stream gotcha. based on seeing what was happening in, in the industry. And and again, that, that trend to independent advice, because those benchmarking studies are really focused on the independent model. Um, and print was down to 30% of our revenue model. So that was not anything I could have predicted, Um, but I will tell you like just being very, let's say flexible and open and understanding that we needed to be creative and how we went about our business. So again, I would just say, number one, like know your business as it exists today will not look the same in a few years from now right. maybe even sooner don't rely on one source of revenue or one type of anything in your offering because that is a recipe for disaster luckily we were able to uh pivot pretty quickly yep. um your team is your most important asset that is another huge lesson that i learned from from running the business and, and working with just some of the most talented people in the business, Um, they really will help you execute on your vision and, you know, best serve your clients. Um, Another thing I would say and suggest is like constantly be learning. Um, Just because you've mastered one skill, you should always be curious about new things that you're not as um, good at, quite frankly, invest in yourself get training for key areas that you may need more help with mastering. That could be leadership skill training. That could be how to hire the best talent. That could be being proficient in social media or digital marketing. But those things I would say is just always be learning because you don't know what's gonna happen. You, we don't know what's next. Um, and then finally, I do believe that a lot of success comes to how you respond to change. Oh. And they could, you know, you need to have the right attitude. You need to be interested. You need to be curious. You need to have a great team, a great support system and be okay with knowing that what is now in existence may not be That way in the next few years. So really trying to stay ahead of trend, reading, um, listening to podcasts like this. So those are just (laughs) a few things that I learned. I could probably do an entire podcast and what I learned from that.
0: um, No, absolutely. um, And you and I have been in think tanks together. And, you know, something that's always emerged out of that for me is the message that You know, you get people that want a cultural fit, but you also need a cultural addition, right? Someone that knows something you don't know. So part of that curiosity, part of that learning is uh, bringing in diversity of thought and talent, people with fresh ideas and perspectives that uh, differ from yours so they can add to a culture and not simply fit into it. Uh, 100% and back
1: to that, you know, investor demographic changing and actually the country demographic changing. So if you are looking to serve um, diverse client base, um, or attract diverse team members to your organization or to your practice, you need to be thinking about that. And the best way to do that is make sure that you're either employing um, diverse talent, and so that you know how to best serve um, diverse clients.
0: No, absolutely. So it seems like you've seen it all and done it all, uh, because after all, you did start working in this uh, profession in your 20s, which is much earlier than many. How has that experience, working with a financial professional, changed since then?
1: Yeah, so great question. And um, I actually started my career working in Philadelphia, which is where I'm from, and I was working at the Philadelphia Business Journal. I was in my 20s um, and I think I was at a restaurant or a bar or something with with a bunch of my friends and my friend's husband. Uh we were, you know, we were just talking in general. And he was like, Yeah, I started working with a financial advisor. And I'm like, What's that? Who's that? Like, I had no idea what that <laughs> even was. I didn't know any financial advisors. Right. My parents didn't work with a financial advisor. Um, and uh he started telling me, he's like, Yeah, you know, I work with this guy, he's from Morgan Stanley, and he, you know, helps me, you know, invest my money in stocks, mutual funds. IPOs were a big thing back then, and um, it he helps me make money off of my money, and I always was fascinated with that. Right, so I'm like, yeah. Ooh, "Can you connect me to this guy?" Right, so sure. he introduces me to his advisor, and um, and that's how that's how I got um, into or uh, acclimated into the financial advice industry is actually having my own advisor first. Gotcha. And, you know, and and at the time. He was very, very, very focused on investments and returns, um, very much on like mutual funds, um, some stocks. And as I mentioned, I really loved IPOs. They were like really big back then, like how to get sure. in on something at, in the beginning. Um And then when I started working at Investment News and learning about financial advisors in their business, um, I became a little bit more savvy, I would say, in what else an advisor should be doing for you. And I was referred to my current advisor, um, who's been just amazing. I've been with her for over 20 years um, uh, through another advisor in our industry, said, you you should work with this person. Um, So so you know, my, my interaction with advisors went originally from like portfolio management, which she still does obviously. Um, but she has assisted in so many facets of my life. That's why like I fully understand and advocate for a holistic financial planning approach because I see what she's done and how she's helped me and my husband. So like she helped us in determining buying a second home, right? Mm -hmm. Did we have, enough that we could do that right um after my father passed away um she helped with uh his investments and um helping with my mom and navigating through assisted living and selling the home and all of those fun things that we all have to go through and don't have experience doing until you actually do it and to have that third party kind of be a guiding light and source and and just a helpful resource, uh, was, was amazing. Um, she also, uh, helped my husband and I determine if we wanted to pursue long-term care insurance, which we did. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she helped with facilitate those policies, even though she does not get paid on any of that. This was, this was a something that she did as a a service. Um, When I left Investment News and started my own consulting practice, she helped with setting up my own company's retirement plan, finding an accountant that could help from a small business perspective. Um, Now we're working on updating our very outdated estate plan. Um, And she's referring us to someone and like, referring all the options there and she's on the calls with us again this is not something that she's getting paid on right Right. she is referring that but i'll I'll give you a great example of how this paid dividends for her
0: right please do
1: um when i left investment news obviously i had the company 401k plan and was there for a long time 23 years so there was something in that okay what
0: I said sir, so there was something in that 401k. A there was bit. something I mean, in that
1: 401k. Yeah, sure. And so <laughs> I could have left it at, you know, the the where it was, right. or I could have start taken it and and set up a new one, which is exactly what I did. So guess gotcha. who um got the benefit of now managing and setting up that that 401k? So again, just <laughs> things that she was doing not because she was getting paid on them, but because they were things that were going to make me and my husband better um, investors and more financially stable.
0: No, that is a great answer. Um, (laughs) I uh, I didn't quite know what I was in store for when I asked it, but that is thank you for doing that, because you kind of see uh, the evolution of the role, right? When you talk about entering into it, and a person, frankly, doing their job, doing what they're supposed to do in terms of uh, investments and stocks and IPOs and things of that nature, to a person really looking at the full picture of retirement and lifestyle and, and what that means, and then having you know that person just being curious by nature to uh, expand things and, and work even harder for you. So, that's... That's an amazing uh, answer. And I hope people can take cues from it.
1: And also, um, well, thank you. It like she will probably never lose my business because of all of those things that she did because she cared. And that's just such that is that's pretty standard when you're working with a professional service company firm. You just want to know that they care and that they're there for you. So I think that again those types of things advisors should really be thinking about that it'll pay dividends in the long run
0: what what three tips would you give a financial professional to grow their business right now
1: so this is a god uh, this is a tough question cuz i think there's a lot of different things based on what what the goals are of that particular financial professional but first and foremost creating a business plan for the year ahead and beyond. So analyze what worked and what didn't from a revenue growth standpoint, you know, did that revenue have a good ROI? Sometimes you can have revenue, but maybe it was um, pennies on the dollar for what you spent. So really kind of looking at your business strategy, reflecting at what worked, what didn't, and then writing down and having a, a written out business strategy for, for this year and, and or for the year ahead and and the future. I think that's really, really, really important. Um, you know, how much money did you and time um, did you and your staff spend on getting new business? Sure. And just really seeing what uh, you uncover by doing that exercise. Um, so next within that business plan, um, I think there there should be a fairly large section on business development and what your plan is around that. And marketing is usually a big part of business development. So regarding that, so again, because I, again, there could be 50 things of what I would recommend, but one of them within the marketing element is, you know, ask yourself, what do you want to accomplish from marketing and business development? It's a broad term There's a lot of specialties within marketing. Usually you can't find one person that is good at all of the specialties. Um, So just really identifying what you want to get out of your business development efforts and marketing efforts, right? Is it to attract more clients, establish yourself as an expert on a particular topic like tax planning or working with widows, Um, making sure that you realize that you'll need different tactics and strategies based off your objective, Um, in getting in front of prospects and engaging with them and engaging with current clients, right? So those are two different tactics, right? So if you're like, I want to grow my new business, I want to convert prospects to clients and and, or I want to capture more wallet share from my current client base. So knowing that those may be two of your goals, you're gonna have very different marketing strategies to achieve both of those goals, right. so some considerations around around that um, are so, you know, if you're looking to drive new business with prospects, like do you have a niche, right? That will inform on where and how you market, um, and if you don't have a niche, is that something that you want to consider? Right. Um, re- review how you've gotten most of your clients to date. You may see a real trend that has come up. Maybe it was from a networking event. Um, a client referral, a relationship with a center of influence, but really like kind of go through that process to see where you've, where you actually are getting your business from. And if you uncover that maybe 90% of your business is coming from, you know, social media or, um, going to a chamber event or referrals or because you're really involved in, um, you know, uh, 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 an animal rescue group, whatever it would be, like yeah. really understanding that first before you embark on a marketing strategy. Um, is social media marketing right for you? I mean, y- there's so much conversation around social media, just making sure that it's the right thing for you and that you are starting to learn a little bit more about it. I think it's important. If you have a database of prospects, could you do a webinar with, you know, a centers of influence, utilizing PR, et cetera, et cetera. And then regarding increasing share of wallet with current clients, you know, what is your strategy on working with the client's children engaging with their um, part with maybe not just the primary partner, but maybe the, 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 the uh, traditionally the um, if it's, if it's the male that you are working with the husband and if he is married to his wife is making sure that she's engaged in that conversation as well. Yeah. And then I think third is understanding the changing demographics of the country. What Gen Z is looking for is right. very, very different than what your baby boomer clients are looking <laughs> yeah, for. Don't in say. An advisor, right. <laughs> so there's a. it's really like setting your business up to serve the client of the future you have to understand a little bit about the client of the future and how vastly different they are than even Gen X.
0: Absolutely, and
1: um, that also again requires: Are you, is your team reflective of the changing investor demographics? For sure. Is your culture an inclusive one? Um, is your website uh, that which is really like kind of the The first place somebody finds you, right, digitally, um, is your website um, indicate the type of firm that you are from more of a personal nature. People want to know you and they want authenticity. So, again, some of this stuff is very different than the way that maybe how a financial professional originally started in the business and maybe even how their business is set up now
0: what do you see as the next waves of change for financial professionals in the industry and what trends should uh, they be following and like, what will soon be table stakes instead of cutting edge?
1: So I think I have to answer the first thing is um, maybe one of the most talked about terms right now going on in our profession, and it's the use of AI, right? Yeah. So artificial intelligence has significantly changed how advisors are thinking about technology and its future in their business. And like, it's, it's almost, it's still misunderstood. I think there's still a lot of myths. I think there's still a lot of skeptics, but what I would say is I don't, I think that it's here and it's all about, again, how you embrace change and how to use it to to, to serve your clients better and scale your practice better. And so, you know, starting with, um, you know, ChatGPT, GPT, which I think really um, came on strong and advisors are trying to figure out um, how they can incorporate it into their practice. And this could be, again, its own podcast. Um, right. And I'm certainly not an expert but I'm curious enough to make sure that I'm playing around with it myself, seeing where it can and where it cannot add value to me personally and professionally. I think to turn a blind eye, in my opinion, is a big mistake no matter what industry you're in around the concept and around artificial intelligence. Um, I I wanna give an example. Um, My friend, Helen Yang, um, who's the founder of Andes Wealth Management, um, she recently wrote a great column for advisor perspectives around chat gpt and she asked chat gpt hmm. i think this is fascinating i hope you do
0: too yeah, um, oh, yeah I'm getting excited. about
1: <laughs> about whether it will replace human advisors so again she's asking the chat gpt okay. about whether it will replace human advisors and i'm going to read you what it said as i think it's important for advisors to have really right. as a basis for what it can and cannot do so this is what it we said go. As an an AI language model, I have access to vast amounts of information on a wide range of topics, including finance and wealth management. I can help provide information on financial concepts and strategies, answer general questions about investment options, and provide insights based on available data. However, it's important to note that I, remember ChatGPT, am not a replacement for a professional financial advisor, especially when it comes to personalized financial advice tailored to your individual needs, goals, and risk tolerance. A financial advisor can provide customized guidance, take into account your specific circumstances, and provide recommendations that are tailored to your unique situation. They can also help you navigate complex financial situations, manage risk, and make informed decisions. In summary, well, I can provide information and insights on finance and wealth management. I cannot replace the expertise and personalized advice that a professional financial advisor can offer. So wow. I wanted to read that.
0: No, because thank you for doing it's that. It's
1: important for skeptics or those that are feeling defensive about sure. what AI is going to do to their business or what have you. Um, I think first of all it's interesting that a tool can just basically say all of that like an individual can. For sure, yeah. Um, but also that it is very clear in what it can and cannot do. So I, I just wanna say AI is is a huge part of the future of this business and you need to get you need to start dabbling in it. You need to start yeah, dabbling no. in it.
0: Absolutely. Um, I mean, I guess in some ways you can kind of breathe a sigh of relief too, having heard that answer. <laughs> like, OK,
1: <laughs> exactly. And I and I and I, yeah, and I think it's just interesting. But I think just again, I said it in um, another answer I gave, but like, be curious, yes. be curious because this is not going away. Um, I think second and kind of adding to the A.I. Um, trend is just technology in general, right? So uh, there are some really great tools out there that are in market that are utilizing AI and wealth management. And, um, you know, what, so what kind of services are they providing and how and why can an advisor access those tools? So based on a lot of recent studies about what clients want from their advisors and aren't getting, right? So this is all documented there's been several studies about this estate planning guidance tops the charts okay so there's a couple of firms that can help in that way so fp alpha is um was started by a financial advisor andrew alpest and it basically um reads client documents like taxes wills trusts insurance policies summarizes some data points and um identifies planning insights and so you know, if you think about it, just reading a tax return or reading a a healthcare derivative, whatever it may be, would take hours, 10 hours. Um, With this tool, it essentially, like, I don't know how it all works, but like scans it and uploads it. And then the insights are presented in like a visual deliverable with like, the top like kind of key things that an advisor should highlight and talk to their client about that and, is
0: blowing. you know, they're
1: they're not doing the estate planning. Sure. But imagine how what a great referral source this could be like. Hey,
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, Travis, you know, it looks like you know, this and this are highlighted from this planning tool that I found, and I think maybe we should call your estate planner and just make sure that all of your documents are updated based on some new legislation that's coming down the pike. Right. That again, you're being proactive as an advisor. Um, you're saving time, and you you will have a client for life if you can really uncover some some planning gaps. So right. imagine that's
0: not not implementing those things and then going up against someone who is using those tools and has like, you know, that arrow in their quiver, it's,
1: exactly. there's, it's definitely there's an
0: advantage a, for the person that's curious and uh, using that kind of technology.
1: A hundred percent. And there are, ugh, there are so many um, technologies that are out there, actually so many that it's confusing to advisors. So again, I think that there are plenty of consultants out there that you can go to. There's Lots of reading that you can that you can um, source, but, you know, there's another one called Alpha Athena, which delivers AI powered custom indexing to help advisors, um, you know, provide personalized investing solutions. It was the winner of the Morningstar FinTech showcase this year. Wealth.com is another estate planning tool um there are so many tools out there and so again if you as an advisor if this isn't your thing make sure someone on your team or someone that you know is is starting to look into this because it's not only about providing additional services, it's the only way that you're going to be able to scale in the future.
0: hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So I say having, having that addition versus that fit, right? So if you have someone that's bringing something else to the table, I, I think this will fit nicely into this, this next question. When we think about the technology and kind of what we just went over, you know, when you think about offering financial guidance for retirement, um, thinking about what business will look like in the future or even further down the road and then what will change beyond technology, how will financial professionals connect with the investors of the future?
1: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we've already seen it with, you know, I think COVID escalated this trend for um, being able to do business without being in person. And I'm not saying that you will never meet with a client in person, but I can tell you personally, I live in the same state as my financial advisor, and I prefer to do all meetings via Zoom. Um, So I think the way that advisors are going to be working with clients of the future is definitely there's going to be a whole other, um, you know, this this whole virtual aspect. And what that's going to do, too, it's... It's going to allow the advisor, maybe you don't need as large an office space as you currently have. That's one of the, other than people, that's the second largest expense in an advisor's practice, real estate Mm. costs. So if you are to eliminate that or significantly reduce that, think about what you could be spending, using that money for from an investment standpoint. Um, Again, from a digital marketing standpoint, I think, you know, keeping your clients engaged, your current clients uh, engaged. How do, you, um, how do you use them as referral sources through digital marketing? So I think digital marketing will continue to be um, a huge trend in how you also do business and communicate with clients and clients of the future. Um, but again, they really want that holistic advice, and I feel like you know that's that's kind of the number one thing. I think that right. that advisors are are really going to have to drill down into.
0: Wow, Suzanne, I got to tell you, this has been. Phenomenal! I got all I wanted and more out of it. Uh, again, I don't want to say we we search for the perfect guest, but if there is one, um, gosh, <laughs> you got to come close to it. You have a wealth of knowledge and experience, and, are, and are really on top of all of this stuff. Um, so, live from New York, and we know that that was happening as we heard sirens in your busy city. Let's have a final question that we ask all of our guests: final two, um, one, and then you can end it by telling us if they enjoy this conversation, where they can find you online. But I want to know what does your ideal day look like in retirement?
1: Gosh, this is so hard because I like, (laughs) I like change. Um, I would say, you know, at my house by the beach with my cats and my husband um, working part time, I don't think I'll ever fully not work or retire. And I think that's, the redefinition of retirement, right? Like yeah. nobody is, people are living longer. So are you really retiring or are you just taking a different um, approach to your work? Um, yeah. So I would say still getting, still have my hands in a lot of things in our industry cause I love it. Yeah, And um, but also just a little bit, you know, a little bit more mellow, definitely by a beach. Definitely (laughs) with my husband and my cats and my friends.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. What's the best thing you have done or are doing to make sure you can achieve that vision for your retirement? Do you already have the house on the beach?
1: (laughs) Um, uh, The house on the beach? Well, we have a house. It's not on the beach. It's near the beach, um, but we are renovating it. I think always making sure that you don't live beyond your means, but that you take the time to enjoy the money that you' that you're working so hard to earn. Yeah. And I think that's always the dilemma. How do I save enough to be comfortable and not outlive my money with how can I enjoy my time now because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow? So uh, right. I, I'm a big believer in taking vacations and if you see something you absolutely love, and you do have the money to, to to afford it. Get it for yourself. Don't don't be um, don't be pennywise and pound foolish. But also know that there's that fine line that that an advisor can help you with in terms of um, in terms of understanding uh, not overspending, but right. also not keeping your money so tight that you don't enjoy
0: life. Sure. Yeah, finding that balance. Well, your passion is evident, so I don't uh, anticipate you'll be slowing down and certainly won't be going away entirely. For listeners who have enjoyed today's conversation, where can they find you online?
1: So, uh, well, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me there. I have a podcast with wealthmanagement.com called Focused on the Future. Um, I do a lot um, with uh, the various media organizations, but also work with a lot of um companies in the space. So you can see me speaking at a lot of uh, industry conferences. Okay. And my website is Suzanne Syracuse.com. If you want to get a hold of me, have any questions, also DM me on LinkedIn.
0: Well, I got to say you're, uh, you're better than the best. This has been an absolute pleasure. And I really appreciate the time you gave us here today.
1: Oh my gosh, it was so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate
0: it. So what we learned from Suzanne is that financial professionals will need to be ready to adapt to change as it comes. Yes, we've experienced significant shifts in the wealth management industry, but new challenges, trends, and needs will continue to emerge. And you'll need to be ready to adjust to those too. Thanks for listening to Rebuilding Retirement. I'm Travis Walker.